Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and in this episode, we're talking about memorization with Joanna Shield. So today, lovely teachers, we're joined by Joanna Scheel again, who's one of our staff writers and editors at Vibrant Music. We're talking about making memorization fun for your students, whether that's possible and how we can do it. So Joanna, let's start with your own journey with memorization. Did you find it fun as a student? I, it was, memorization has always been like a byproduct, I think. I was never really taught how to do it or given a a set of tools or a system to memorizing. And I am partly self-taught, but I also did have some teachers and I think it just really never came up as part of the lesson. And it's something that I personally have struggled with and, and had to kind of learn how I memorize and also then it becomes a lot harder to learn how to teach people to memorize as well. So um, really memorization has been like a, a, a byproduct of me just practicing a lot and playing something over and over and over again. Um, I don't think for the majority of people, it's the most fun way to <laughs> memorize a piece of music, but it's, it seems to be, or it seems to be like a very necessary way the only way that you could learn a piece so take from that what you will (laughs) yeah it's interesting I mean before like all the way through my studies memorization wasn't expected for anything I think we should put that out there because that's probably true for you as well growing up in the UK me in Ireland if you're on the other side of the Atlantic there tends to be more of an emphasis on this and even within the context of something like exams our exams do not require memorization but I think the Canadian ones do. So like, it's a difference of culture in that way. So it was mostly something that was only brought up much later in your studies, which I think makes it more tough. Anytime it was mentioned to me earlier, it was just in that way, like, oh, maybe you'll learn it by heart if you just keep playing it, was kind of the idea. And if you did, you did. And if you didn't, you didn't. You just weren't the memorizing kind of person, (laughs) right? There was no idea of memorization doing it intentionally was it the same for you yeah absolutely I think it was just a given that I would learn something and now that you're saying this it 
it might also be a split between the different genres of music as well. Yes. Um, I know like in the UK as a classical musician, I was never really, I was, the focus was on sight reading or being able to read a piece of music. And I could take that with me wherever I went. But then when I switched to jazz performance mm -hmm. and contemporary music, suddenly everything is shifted. And it's about like being able to connect with your band members or being able to improvise or being able to riff on something. And suddenly you don't really need sheet music as much. You just need to memorize the structure. And that shift for me was very difficult. And I was never really guided into like how you to do that. Like it was kind of expected that I would know how to do that. Or So it, yeah, there could be that divide as well. Yeah, and I think if you start in the first place by playing by ear, and then learn to read after the memorization piece is almost more natural especially in the context of something like jazz like you're saying like when i had jazz lessons that my teacher would suggest oh you you know you could learn off the chord changes and then that'll kind of free you up kind of thing but in my head initially when she says that i'm thinking okay so i'll just memorize it like a list is that what i'm gonna do like is it gonna be like c7 da, 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 you know and obviously they're using more of their feel for it and and their ear yeah. so yeah it's a completely different way of approaching it yeah now let's fast forward to your teaching that was a bit about your experience maybe with memory do you normally get students to well do you introduce memorization to them at all I guess and if you do do you have them learn the piece first until they can play it and then try to add on memorization or do you start a piece if it's an important piece or a performance piece or something with the intention of memorizing it and actually use those tools from the start? Yeah, I, I try to kind of do a mix of both. And if it becomes clear to me that a student is really enjoying a piece or that they are going to do it for an exam, it's really part of the process of learning it. I try to make learning a piece I don't know, it's with every piece, you know, some pieces are more suited to just being like sight reading pieces or just, you know, maybe we're really practicing a certain concept and that's why the piece is in front of them. But perhaps there's a piece that is really a performance or one of those repertoire type pieces or it's something that I can see that they would really enjoy playing over and over, you know. And then we'll start to like really break down the piece, you know, we'll understand the harmony behind it, the theory. And again, it's like depending on the level of the student, you know, naturally through looking at a piece, we can divide it up into many different parts and many different sections. And I try to get them to think about the story of the piece or like the structure. And I think like coming from a more contemporary <laughs> education, I try to get them to look at the chords and we'll do things like improvising or composing. So like we're really taking apart a piece and practicing it in so many different ways that it's sort of becoming, they're, they're seeing the piece from more than just notes on a piece of music, if that makes sense. So yeah, yeah I think that really helps with them getting comfortable with the piece because one of my struggles I know learning and, and I've had this with students in the past is that when they play through a piece if they're just sight reading and they just know that piece on a one level when they get stuck at a certain section they really get stumped and they don't know how to yeah. pick themselves up and I think actually a big part of 
memorizing is actually feeling or knowing the piece intrinsically and <laughs> then being able to just uh, go with the flow a little bit more as well. Yeah, and I think all of those tools you've mentioned really help with that. You know, they take it from a piece that every time it's put in front of you, it's like you're reading all the information to something that's familiar, a friend, an acquaintance at least, that you know something about how it's going to, how it's put together and its personality and all of that away from the score. So that if you do get stuck, even if you're reading it, if you do get tripped up, you know where you are in the piece and what kind of thing is going to get you back into it or where to jump to next, etc. Yeah. And I always try to get students, this is such a massive part of learning music, but I, I always encourage students to listen to a piece. Yes. Lots of different, especially if it's like a performance piece or some a piece that is famous. There's so We have so many opportunities to listen to you many different performances of it now very easily and that just helps i mean when you think of music it's it's an oral art right we're listening to it and and you actually there's a lot of stuff that goes on about our understanding of music that maybe we can't articulate or put into writing and i think that's a big part of it as well really helps with that kind of oral memory yeah, I mean, it's it's one of the big struggles, right? And it comes up a lot here on the podcast about getting students to actually listen to pieces and having some kind of practice system, some way to send them links to things is helpful. Obviously, teenagers have more of an ability to like go out themselves and look at something up on YouTube so we can be a little bit more direct with them and say, here, listen, you need to take this upon yourself and go look up different versions. But it's such an opportunity and that's what I try to communicate to them. I was saying this to a student the other day who's learning the the Chopin E minor, I think it was, or B minor. Anyway, one of the two very popular ones. And I said, you're learning a piece that just so many people have played. So this is your chance to look up tons of different versions on YouTube and see how, you know, which ones do you like? Which ones do you not like? What different choices did people make? Some of them will be damn right wrong and some of them will just be opinions, right? But that's your opportunity. Like, you know, you kind of want to just say, why don't you see this? I couldn't do this. <laughs> but they don't get it from that perspective. But yeah, encouraging them to listen, listen, listen is huge, I think. Yeah. And I think that shows up. And again, I try to get this across to them when they do know a piece. You know, when a student learns something that they already knew whether that's because it's pop music that they've listened to or just a really famous piece that they know the sound of. They learn it so much quicker, memorizing it is easier, right? So if we could get them to that level of familiarity with the pieces they don't yet know, it would be huge. Yeah, for sure. And I often wonder like, if it's worth kind of starting to introduce them to... I think we do this, we do this anyway with improvising or composing. Maybe we start to introduce them to harmonic conventions or like, you know, when we're practicing rhythms, it could be just in like little places during the lesson where you could practice, you know, very popular rhythms, for example, or the one five harmony, just to start with. It's just so they can start to get used to those little conventions. And then when they start to see it in their music, it's everything starts to fall into place. And um, I think 
little exercises like that could be helpful as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think making it easier in that way is a big part of actually what makes things more fun. I mean, when things are too Mm -hmm. difficult, they are not fun. We need the right level of challenge. And that's often why memorizing isn't fun. (laughs) It's because it's just too hard. Do you have any other tricks that you use or games or anything like that that you do to help make this whole process more enjoyable? Yeah, I really like, so there's one resource that I use, VMT, which I really, really like called Anyone, Anywhere, Anytime. And I think for me, I have students that really wish they could just have a piece ready to play Yeah, wherever they are. I think it's a big issue for a lot of classical, maybe musicians Mm -hmm. that we need to rely on sheet music and it's really frustrating when someone asks you to play something and you just if you don't have a piece of music on you and you can't really play so it's not really a game as such but it, it is a you kind of turning it into a fun little activity i think so yeah. this is a list on vmt right where we have where you can write down your repertoire and then you have you have challenges to play them in front of your parents or your families or playing them in different environments um, and it, it really works for my students so I use it with them a lot. Yes yeah I try to encourage my students who are doing that as well to use like the public pianos that are around there's a few more around Dublin than there used to be so if your area has those like there's some in some of our shopping centers and train stations and things like that to encourage them to play there because if they can, at a young age, just do that, like go up, you don't know any of the people here, you just play your piece from memory in this, you know, could be scary situation, especially when you get older, it becomes scary, right? All those strangers. <laughs> when you're younger, you're just unaware. And it, then if you're used to doing that, I think that's a big hurdle overcome because you don't get so nervous about memory slips if you've encountered it again and again, this kind of stressful performance situation and you play it from memory anyway and you keep going yeah it's a good way to really that's a really good idea actually it's a good way to get students to really test their memory right (laughs) and but also other really important skills like can you can you create a musical performance you you know can you do you have that inside yourself or there's still some skills or some areas that you need to work on yeah absolutely I mean, parents love that one as well. They love when their child will just get up and play anywhere. Like, they think that's incredible. Because it is. It is incredible. Especially when you look at it as an adult. It's fantastic. Okay, I think this has given people some great starting points for trying to think about memorization as a fun thing, as an accessible thing for all our students. Thanks so much for coming on the show again, Joanna. Thank you. It was great to be here. So everyone, we would love to hear your thoughts on this. Is memorization fun to you or is it something you dread? And was it always that way or did it change over time? Come chat to us over on Instagram. We're at Colourful Geese. If you liked this episode, you would absolutely love Vibrant Music Teaching Membership. We have the support and the training you need to take your teaching further. Join us today by going to vmt.ninja and signing up. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it. And I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July. And you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.